All right, so Miss Arlisha, Doctor, let me say it correctly, Doctor Arlisha Simmons, uh -huh. how are you doing today? I am good. I'm busy, but I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm blessed. Um, God has been faithful. Awesome, awesome. Well, it is such a pleasure to have you on this new episode of Exquisite Conversations. Um, I, I, you know, I've had the pleasure of being Facebook friends with you and kind of following everything that you've been doing, you know, checking out your YouTube channel and whatnot. So I know you're a very prolific person and, you know, you are, you know, knowledgeable in a lot of different areas. And I'm just so excited for people to get to know you. Um, so for those who aren't familiar with who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I was born in Charleston on Union Heights, so I am a native Charlestonian. Um, I'm a Benya, and so um, went to Mary Ford Elementary School, and from there, you know, God just continued to bless me, went off to college, majored in journalism, uh, became a newspaper reporter, from there went back to school, became a journalism educator, from there um, God called me into ministry, and so I've done a number of things professionally. And so today I consider myself a minister of joy, wellness, and of course, a minister of the gospel. But, um, you know, I really embrace my low country roots. I try to be a Gullah Geechee ambassador when I can. And at the end of the day, I just want people to be well, whole and healed. Okay, awesome, awesome. It's so funny when you talked about journalism because that's, when I was in college, that was kind of like my little area my little world that I played around in it with as well. So that's awesome. And it's always nice to be able to meet a, a Benya. <laughs> I always forget what it, how people pronounce it here, but um, a Benya, because, you know, I know I'm a native of Charleston as well. And I know mm -hmm. it's so rare now to yeah. come across Charleston natives. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very rare. And so people say, well, you know, did you grow up? I'm like, no, I, I was born at the Medical University of South Carolina. So I was born by the river. I was born <laughs> by the river. Okay, not in a tent, but somewhere at MUSC. And, um, you know, grew up eight minutes away from downtown Charleston. So even though Union Heights is considered the neck area, North Charleston, technically we could get to downtown Charleston eight to 10 minutes. So, you know, native Charlestonian. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, you know, I know you mentioned also that you are um, well-versed in Geechee culture, well, not Geechee culture, Gullah culture and things like that. Um, and of course, uh, have you lived in Charleston your whole life? Um, well, I left Charleston, of course, to move to to move for college. So the okay. first of 18 years of my life, I was there. And then as an adult, um, I moved back for about two years. So I um, haven't been in Charleston all of my life, but I've spent a significant part of my life. My family members are still there. So like I said, I was born there and, um, you know, it's I still am attached to the culture um, in a very deep way. Okay, what, what do you think of how the culture in Charleston itself has kind of evolved over the years? Because it's, it's not the same Charleston we were used to when we were growing up. No, I mean, um, to some degree, it's exciting to see all of the new companies and the new, um, you know, new way, the, the new businesses and the new restaurants and everything shifting, but at the same time, it's very sad, you know, it saddens me uh, to go downtown and to go in an area 
that once upon a time, if you went in, it would only be brown faces. It would only be our cousins, them. And now, you know, no one looks like us. And um, it's also been challenging to see the area commodified. So people making money off of some of our Gullah Geechee foodways and, you know, being able to promote our culture. Um, and, you know, we might be in the back cooking it or we might be in the back making it, but then someone else is making the, the, the largest part of the money from it. So, you know, it saddens me in a way and you can fault um, local government because, you know, when it comes to gentrification, it just doesn't happen. It's a plan over time. And so, um, you know, the politicians of the 70s and the 80s, they contributed to this, as well as to African Americans who were not holding them accountable. So, you know, in some ways, you know, when we hear the, the song by Gershwin, Summertime, the living is easy, the living is easy, but I think African Americans in Charleston, um, they were sleeping. And I remember a couple years ago in the Chronicle newspaper, someone had written an editorial about like black folks, like y'all, you know, y'all are at the crab crack, y'all need to wake up. And so sometimes I'm disheartened that people have not been as woke um, and have not paid attention to what is structurally happening to them and have not held public officials accountable. And they have been relaxing and, you know, having the crab crack and the oyster rolls and then nothing wrong with that. But also you have to be politically engaged and hold people's feet to the fire after they come to your church and you get them elected. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And you said a mouthful mm -hmm. for sure. Now, when it comes to, you know, the Gullah culture, and I know you do your presentations, you're very big on sharing that culture. I've seen a lot of your videos on YouTube and whatnot. Um, you know, with everything that you said, is that one of the reasons why you are so, you know, passionate about, you know, being able to keep that culture alive? Yeah, I think it is, you know, um, I've seen our sweetgrass basket work. And so I have some sweetgrass items in my living room, but I've seen other people, you know, of other cultures selling it and uh, telling people that they made it. And so, you know, it's, 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 it happens for, with every culture, you know, I bought some uh, jewelry one time from a Caucasian woman and she was telling me about this jewelry and then I found out it was made in Uganda. So she sold it to me for 20 bucks and then I go to Uganda and it sold for less than a dollar. So, you know, I'm just concerned that people will only get the curated side of our history or some people will only get the Nickelodeon version of our history. So, you know, I can meet somebody today, I can tell them I'm from Charleston or they read my bio and they say, oh, you ever been to Gullah Gullah Island? I was like, that's a fictitious place that Nickelodeon <laughs> created, um, you know, <laughs> with Ron and Natalie Days um, at the forefront of it. But that Gullah Gullah Island, it's it's the Gullah Geechee Corridor that stretches from North Carolina to Flor Florida. So I think we just all have to do our part so that the children who come behind us, they won't grow up like us and not necessarily not know about their culture. You know, it took me going to college to realize that the way I speak, it is not something I should be ashamed of, but it's a part of a grander narrative. And so I'm just trying to help people understand Understand that grand narrative so you don't just associate you know shrimp and grits a crab or talking funny with who or I am sweet tea. <laughs> or sweet, yeah. well, sweet tea is more of a southern food way but you know so you won't just think oh it's like this movie or it's like this show but you will know that it is um, something that's larger it's beautiful it's a connection to our um 
uh, Western African roots that we can still see in West African culture. So I just want people to be informed. You know, I don't want the Bible even talks about people walking around in ignorance. I don't want people to be ignorant um, spiritually, and I don't want them to be ignorant as it relates to the history that is living and breathing among them. Okay. Oh, yeah. And when you said the Gullah Gullah Island thing, that reminded me when I was in college, I had someone, because I went to school in Pennsylvania, I had someone literally ask me the same thing. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it's not a real place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. But people don't know because they, they couldn't see past, you know, the images that were created. And, and I'm grateful that at least those images gave some exposure. And, you know, back when it was created, people didn't necessarily use the internet to um, Google everything or to find out about everything. So, you know, you do have to allow people grace to have an opportunity to learn more. So mm -hmm. I just help them with that. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to now um, these days. <laughs> mm -hmm. So with, um, I know you talked about your journalism background. Um, so writing is something that, you know, seems to be something you've been doing for a very long time. And I know you're a published author and mm -hmm. coming up on your release of your second book. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so talk about, you know, that love of writing and that passion for, um, you know, being able to tell stories on paper and things like that, you know, and of course, uh, tell us about your new book that you're releasing as well. Um, well, you know, I guess I started finding a love for writing um, in well, first I'll have to say, I found a love for speech. And so I was in the National Associate, in the National um, Forensics League in high school. And so what I would do is I would speak other people's words. And so whether it was Maya Angelou or one of the other great black poets, I would communicate their words through interpretation. And so over time, I realized just the power of words, of communicating those words, of engaging an audience. And so um, I joined the yearbook staff and I noticed that, you know, the copy that I would right. Um, it would always be something that resonated with people um, because I was able to, you know, show instead of tell, and that's what we learned in journalism school. And so um, when I got to Winthrop University, where I went for undergrad, I joined the newspaper staff of the minority newspaper, and I realized the power of continuing to tell stories. And so as I go, go on and get my doctoral degree, um, I start studying um, as a historian, as a media historian, and to do the work of a media historian, you are technically um, relying on documents of the past to tell a story, to answer a question. And so, you know, people don't realize that our letters tell stories about our lives, our books, um, our email posts will tell stories, you know, our emails as well as our social media posts will one day help historians answer a question about society or answer a question about yourself. So, you know, I just see it as being a, a, a content creator. Um, as a preacher, I'm a divine content creator. I um, get to communicate on behalf of God as an interpreter of what God is saying in the earth. And so, you know, words have power. Words frame the, the world if you go back to the creation story in Genesis. So I believe that that's my contribution to the world. You know, some people will sing words, some people will speak words, some people will write words. So I get the honor of writing as well as speaking words that hopefully help people heal and just come to an understanding of themselves and the world around them. So um, my first book is Digging for Treasure, 
Jewels of Hope When Pressure and Time Collide, I would go down and get a copy because it's right here, but I can't reach it. Um, and so the second book is a completely different book. Uh, the first book was more of a it's spiritual autobiography, if you want to put it in a genre. And so it talks about my life and God's work in my life, but it's more of a devotional that I invite others to come along and read with me. The second book, however, is completely different. It's still an invitation for readers to come along on a journey, but this journey is a little bit more hot and spicy, okay? So the journey I'm inviting readers on um, with the second book is a journey of understanding intimacy. And so if you are a churchgoer or you are in the Christian tradition, you know, we talk a lot about intimacy with God, but sometimes we don't spend enough time in our formative years talking about the intimacy in our romantic relationships. And so many of us end up in crazy relationships, we end up in crazy scenarios, and we sometimes never experience the fullness that God designed for us as it relates to being intimate with a partner who can show us God's love and we can do the same by showing them God's love in the context of a romantic relationship. So that book talks more about that. I love the quote from it. It's, you said it's the book that church girls, uh, what was it? <laughs> it's so, so it's not in the book, but I call it, it's the book church girls didn't even know they needed. <laughs> and because we don't, um, you know, I grew up in a church in Acabee, um, for those who are familiar with Charleston, and I I'm grateful for the opportunities and the exposure I got in my church, but whether it was at home or in church, I don't think going out into the world, I had enough information about sex and sexuality or sensuality to really help me as an adult woman. And so I had to wrestle through it and navigate through it. And so that's what the book talks about, me navigating through my sexuality, my sensuality, uh, my relationships, trying to look for love in all the wrong places and all the wrong faces. And I am not alone. And because of that, you know, I wanted to invite people on a journey with me that I think would be beneficial for their own stories. Because, you know, this time during COVID and the pandemic, it has been a time of just really being still, reflecting. And I realized that some of us, we are, of course, trying to protect our physical bodies from COVID. But in the meantime, God used some of this time to even heal us. And so, you know, I was healed through the writing of this book and sharing it with the world. Awesome. I know intimacy is one of those topics that, especially for women, we can often be embarrassed to talk about, you know, it's kind of like one of those things like you don't want to talk about publicly. It's like, you don't want to be judged. But did you feel that way? Did you go through those emotions? Like, Oh, definitely. I, I mean, that is probably a reason I didn't um, publish it before now, because, you know, you're always trying to present this good girl image. And, um, you know, if you are in the church and you're unmarried, you're always told like you shouldn't be having sex, shouldn't have sex. And we kind of amplify and honor women who remain virgins all of their lives. And I'm like, but that's not everybody's testimony. So, you know, we don't talk about sex, but then women get pregnant. You're like, oh, okay, you're pregnant. And then some churches will ostracize that woman. Nobody will ever ask, how did the woman get pregnant? Now, of course, you know, these days people can do IVF and a number of different treatments and ways to get pregnant. Um, but I think because we have such a 
a really bad way of talking about sex and we don't help our young people kind of understand their bodies as well as how to have sex that we sometimes end up behind the eight ball and we have people who enter into relationships before they're ready and you know that then leads you on this road of, of you know just a whole bunch of craziness that I think we would not have to go through if parents as well as churches and uh, safe spaces would allow um, young people to ask questions. And so I talk in the book about, you know, having those safe spaces, safe space moments with young people and really trying to help them, um, encourage them to make good decisions. At the end of the day, sex is a decision. And some of us haven't made the best decision when it came to that. Some people didn't have an opportunity to make a decision. So this book may not be for some people, especially if your first exposure to sex or intimacy was something that was forced upon you and it wasn't something you desired and participated in willingly. So, you know, I had to, I hired a book coach. Um, I could have easily just hired somebody to edit the book and put it out, but I hired a book coach because I wanted someone to walk with me through the process. And that's what she did. So, you know, there was this shame like, oh, they're just gonna think I'm a, you know, I was like, they gonna think I'm a hoe. And she was like, no, they're not, stop it. <laughs> you know, so I had those moments of wrestling. Um, but I believe, you know, the Bible says we overcome by the words of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. So if my testimony of my sharing of my stories and my scenarios can help somebody else on their journey, especially a younger woman, like I'm in my mid 40s. So if I can get this word out to a 22 year old, I want to save you the 24 years of lessons that I had, you know what I'm saying? So if somebody will give this book to their college student, that means she's going to save 24 years of foolishness, okay? And that's something you can't pay for. You know, the, the amount of craziness, um, the amount of energy, the amount of frustration, the amount of heartbreak. You can't, um, no one can repay you for that. So my prayer is that through my testimony, somebody else is going to have a better love, a better life, and a better relationship. I think that's very powerful because, you know, especially... Um, I think I wouldn't even say when it comes to the church, I think it just we we have a way our culture and our society has a way of making intimacy, making intimacy and sex two different things, when sometimes in a lot of ways they're one in the same and I think we don't, we sh we're so quick to shame people when we talk about it or we get uncomfortable, like, oh no, we're not supposed to talk about that. Or, mm -hmm. you know, assume that people just should know what to do when mm -hmm. if you just talk about it, we can all save each other a lot of yeah. frustration yeah. and headache, you know? So, mm -hmm. but definitely I think I commend you, you know, for having the courage and, you know, the, the the courage and the, ch the you know challenging yourself and challenging other people to be able to say okay you know we know that no one wants to talk about sex but we have to talk about it <laughs> yeah we have to talk about it I mean we wouldn't be here if somebody didn't have sex you know yeah <laughs> we have to talk about it and you know intimacy and sex are sometimes they're together sometimes they're separate and I think you know we don't talk about emotional intimacy and we don't talk about yes. how um, the importance of just human connection. You know, we're all in some cases separated, isolated. And so people are missing the intimacy of even being on the pew with another person so that they can, you know, shake your hand, they can touch three people. And so that's even some level of intimacy. And so, you know, I think in our society, um, because we don't understand the full depth of intimacy, 
we automatically associate it with sex. People get into relationships that maybe they don't want to be. They just need someone to listen to them. They need someone to hold them. They need someone to touch them. They need someone to care for them. But to get that, they may have to do something transactional. And so I talk about that as well as sometimes, you know, we negotiate for our intimacy. And so I'm excited about the book. I think the captives are going to be set free. Uh, you're going to laugh. You're going to learn. And then there are reflection questions at the end of each chapter. So uh, readers will be asked to really tap into your own story. It's not just about my story and my exploits and my entanglements, okay? But it's about looking at, you know, how have these issues played in your own life? And not you may not be able to resonate with every question, but maybe you have to search some places in your heart that um, have been hidden or hurt. Okay, awesome, awesome. What is, um, I wanna circle back a little bit because I know I kind of jumped to the book before I got a chance to ask you about this. You know, we're talking about intimacy, but clearly, you know, it's clear that you have a very intimate relationship with God and ministry. What kind of, and I, I might've glossed, we might've glossed over it a little bit, but what kind of led you to want to uh, build on that relationship more and pursue, you know, a life in ministry and things like that. You know, I'm always curious to hear stories and, you know, people, we talk about testimonies and sharing, you know, those stories and things like that. So, you know, what kind of led you to want to pursue, you know, taking um, your love of God and your relationship with God to the next level and to ministry like that? Um, I don't, I mean, some people will say, I knew I was a minister and God called me and they like say, yes, God, I'm here. And I think the rest of us are like, really, God, like, I'm kind of busy here. Like, I want to, you know, I want to have a hot girl summer. I don't want to be in fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, that was my testimony, like, really, God? Um, so I think I was called to ministry really early, but I didn't answer my call until I was in my mid-30s in graduate school. And I was studying the life of a female broadcaster who was a, a a radio preacher. Um, and then the, what I had heard God say to me earlier, um, you know, I was like, okay, I guess I need to answer this call to ministry. And then I answered my call to preparation. So I went to divinity school so I could study and um, show myself approved that, you know, this wasn't something fly by night. Um, so, you know, when you're called by God, people have various callings. And so ministry you know, people have callings to preach, calling the pastor, calling to teach. You know, we have a fivefold ministry in uh, the body of Christ. But it was just one of those things of wrestling. And I knew that God had placed a lot of gifts in me to proclaim, um, to speak. And I also think God called me because I have a different way of telling stories. I have a different way of speaking. I have a different way of, you know, approaching the text. And so, you know, I just think it's God's way of making use of every gift that God placed inside of me. And I am, you know, a former pastor. So I did pastor for under two years at a church in Washington, D.C. And through that experience, God was even um, helping me really define and refine what it is that my call is to do in the church. And I'm seeing more and more that, not to say that I'm not called to the church, but I think God has a plan for me that is outside of the four walls. And I think some people miss it because they think to be in ministry, I got to go into church and I got to get in the pulpit and I got to preach and I got to do this. And I'm like, no, God calls me to this ministry of joy and wellness that I have to give people messages, to promote, to stir them up, 
to ignite a fire in them that I couldn't do in the church because I'd have to wait my turn. I'd have to wait until somebody allowed me to preach or I'd have to wait to see if it fit into the preaching calendar that I could talk about this one topic. But now I can just do it any day, anytime <laughs> and use social media to do it. So I think, um, you know, some people might remain a pastor or a preacher for 30 or 40 years, but I'm seeing how God continues to do new things and continues to evolve the ministries um, that we've been given. And so I still preach in church context. However, I think um, the ministry that God is giving me now is to be um, a digital uh divine content producer to share the glory of God, to share the joy of God um, and share the light of God in the social media arena. And sharing your testimony as well. So and sharing my testimony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do that with my social media every day of helping somebody, you know, I'm telling them a story and the story is so that you can connect with your own story. So yesterday I shared a story. So you can connect with your own story because I'm going to leave you with something to think about after I share my story. Well, awesome. Well, um, I want to circle back to the book. Um, do you have plans for future books like this to be able to continue tackling? So are we going to continue tackling this topic of intimacy? Because I really think just hearing everything that you're saying, and it's just making me think like people really need this. Like I think back at my own, my own testimony, like if I had a book like yours, like, Lord have mercy. Yeah, I could have saved myself some time, you know. Yeah. So we'll talk about those plans and what we can expect from you in the future. Um, you know, uh, when I first did my first book, my uh, publisher said, he said, I think this could be a series, the way in which you write and share these stories. So, you know, sometimes seeds have to be planted and then we got to warm them and then they kind of germinate and grow. So this is a part of the Digging for Treasure series. So I am um, planning to write a book that will help people understand more about Gullah Geechee culture. Um, so, you know, every now and then I jot things down. So, um, you know, it might be digging for who my people be. I don't know what the title might be right now. I was going to say, you're going to be digging for something. That I'm going to be digging for something. Um, I plan to write a book for, you know, graduate students who kind of need to be, get some strength for their journey. I have done graduate school three times. So I know a thing about graduate school, um, all, you know, program, traditional programs, so not online programs. So there might be something for them. Um, I will continue to always write and encourage single women. I may write one for professional women. And then I am working on something for women in ministry. So for those who find their, you know, women, if you are not very strategic and that's a word we don't talk about, you know, we're like, oh, the Lord called me. Woo, I'm just going to wait for my turn. And then we just rock on the front row for 30 years. It's like, your turn is turn on Facebook Live and preach to the people. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, my pastor, I'm just waiting for my opportunity. It's like, go live, okay? Mm -hmm. Go live and tell the people what the Lord is doing with you. You're not like um, dishonoring your pastor, but if God placed a word on your heart, God has also given us all this technology and you're waiting for somebody to tell you in three years you can preach? Woe be unto you. Like God's going to hold you accountable for every morning. God places something in your heart. You've studied. Um, it's resonated with your spirit. And God says, tell my people, you're like, well, the next time pastor, let me preach. 
this may be the last time, maybe the last time, I don't know. So, you know, I want to help, you know, one of the areas um, of my ministry, and it even, you know, flows into my regular job is to agitate people. And people are probably like, why is she bothering me? Because sometimes you got to be agitated, you got to be stirred up. And so, you know, I think whatever book I produce, it's going to stir people up in my prayers that it would stir you up into your best self. Okay. I love that. And I love how, you know, you have, you're taking advantage of the social media, digital internet age that we live in now. And you're using that to be able to share your opinion, share your, mm -hmm. your perspective, share your testimony. And I just think that's awesome. And I hope that you can continue to revolutionize things and get people, you know, from sitting and rocking in their chair to like getting up and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I think a lot of people are just, they don't know the next step. And so, you know, as a consultant, that's what I try to do to help people understand, you know, how you go about utilizing social media platforms to share your message. You don't have to be the most tech savvy person. Just press, just press, you got a message. Yeah, so you, check it, <laughs> you know, buy some good Grammarly spell, check it, press send, you know, mm -hmm. maybe a hashtag or two, and you can actually promote God, you can promote the assignment God has placed on you. Maybe God is telling you to, you know, minister to people going through domestic violence. Maybe God is telling you to minister to people who have breast cancer. You can't wait for two or three years. God tells you to preach in a, in a pulpit. That's an award for everybody. That might not be to the niche, to the group that God is calling you specifically to. So just trying to really get people to um, realize that life is not promised. One of my um, friends from high school, I just saw last night, she died um, at oh, probably wow. 51 years old. She's a few, you know, older than me, but she was one of the girls from church and I knew her from high school. And, you know, it's like, you might not have the time you think you have to do what you've been assigned to do in the earth. So my prayer is um, to write these books. You know, someone who influences that area is Miles Monroe, a pastor down in Bahamas. He and his wife died um, on a, a airplane accident a couple years ago. But if you read um, and listen to his sermons on YouTube, he has thousands of sermons on YouTube. He's always talking about death and he's always talking about doing what he's supposed to do while he's on the earth. I think that's, that's empower That's powerful. <laughs> well, I have just been so empowered and so uplifted every time I see See anything you post every time I read or watch any of your videos, you are an incredibly inspiring person. I'm hoping anybody that's watching has gotten it. They filled, they filled for the day. Their cup is filled. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's my prayer. My prayer is, you know, we're supposed to be light in dark spaces. So my prayer is that if you come in contact with my content, um, if you come in contact with me, then you feel the love of Christ, the joy of Christ and the light of Christ. Um, so that's my hope. And I hope that you would buy my book and you would say, oh, Lord, she know Jesus. And yes, I do. Just sometimes Jesus has to shake his head at me, but we're, we're good. Not I think he shakes his head at all, a lot of, a lot of, at all, of us, all the time. Okay. All the time. So tell us why, before we close out, tell us again, where we can find you, your social media and about your book. Where can we buy your book? 
the book will be available on February the 9th of 2021 on Amazon. And so when you go to Amazon and you type in my name, the name will be on the podcast. Alicia Simmons, Digging for Intimacy, Sex, Sensuality, and Loving God. You will find it there. Uh, my website is dralicia.com. That's D-R-L-E-C-I-A.com. And um, I am on social media platforms. I'm Dr. Underscore Alicia on Instagram. And there's a Dr. Alicia page on Facebook. And um, I'm having a number of talks associated with the book launch. And um, hopefully by the time this airs, uh, there will be a talk that I'm sitting down with a, psych, a psychologist, um, a therapist, and she's going to talk about African-American African-Americans um, from slavery and how our sexuality has been defined and how that influences wow. um, what it is that we do and how we feel about our bodies. So I'm excited. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a digital lituation <laughs> as this book launches. Okay. It's going to be a digital lituation. Well, I'm so excited. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so proud of you from as one black woman to another. I'm very proud of you. Thank you again, Dr. Alicia, for coming on and talking to us, filling our cups up, empowering everybody that's listening. Again, if you want to support her, uh, her book is going to be available on February 9th on Amazon. Go to her website, uh, book her, follow her on everything. She's amazing. <laughs> I'm available for Black History Month, Women's yes. History Month. Yes, call me. I love to do. Um, I love to do keynote speeches. I love to do webinars, lectures, whatever. Um, I can put you in touch with my assistant, and we can make it happen. And talk about your budget. So yes. just give me a call. <laughs> Thank you so much.